All right, well, let's transition. Let's take a look at uh, uh, the Word this morning. We've been walking through a series called The Search for Jesus. And this morning, you have a card like this or a page like this that's on your chair. And we're going to be walking through this passage. And the reason this is there for you on your chair this morning is because you'll notice three questions at the bottom. These are questions that are really central to our development as we learn more and more about what it means to love God. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is you can scribble on this and write on this, but I'm asking that you take this and just pin it up somewhere a little bit prominent in your life. Maybe that's the refrigerator for you or right next to the bed or your bathroom mirror, wherever it is in your life, you can pin it up and it's an opportunity to look at this passage that is so centrally talks about loving God and what that means. And then you can process through those questions, maybe even daily, it would be something to kind of think about and answer and process through. So let's take uh, a look this morning uh, at this passage. We're talking about the search for Jesus. And you can't really look at Jesus too deeply and learn too much about Jesus without hitting on this topic of love. The love he shows, the love that God shows to him, the love that's talked about through Jesus, and then the love that we are called to have ourselves. It's all through those, in all four Gospels, it's just a continual theme about this love. And so that's what we'll talk about this morning. I mean, we know about love, right? We know what it means to love. We know what it means to give love. We know what it means to receive. We even know what it means to be rejected in love at times. And so uh, we know a bit about love. So don't put aside what you know about love, thinking that that has nothing to do with God's love, it actually, in a very real way, shows a bit of what God's love is. It's just that our love is sometimes on a, uh, on, on a lower level than what God has to offer, and that's what we're going to talk about. So we know love. I thought uh, of a little commercial I remember seeing years back, and I was able to track it down, a little commercial uh, on love. Traffic ahead. Incredible. You found a golf course near the conference. Awesome Chinese. Now you find me a way around traffic. There you go. Have you ever been like that where you have been feeling and investigating whether it's time to throw out the I love you, whether it's time to tell somebody and let somebody know whether it's an actual word or it's an action? Uh, in Kentucky, I was uh, checking out this girl. Um, I thought she was a pretty hot redhead girl. That uh, um, I really was positive the Lord had put on my head, you need to get to know uh, that girl. And so uh, I tried whatever ways uh, I could, short of uh, calling myself a stalker, to meet her and connect with her. And uh, I had. I had developed this kind of a conversation relationship with her where we'd stop and we'd talk about certain things. And, and uh, you know, I tried to be, act like it was all class-related uh, in our schooling, but um, I had other things on my mind. And then uh, I, we had kind of gotten a little bit closer and kind of connected and, and there was a little bit of interest, at least uh, a lot on my side and maybe just a touch on hers. And so I was flying back home to California and uh, I decided that uh, I was going to throw a little hint gift. And so what I did was I, I left in my car a little package and it was centered around her birthday, which would have happened while I was gone. And I asked if she could start up my car while she was gone because uh, my car had never been in cold weather and it was a little colder in Kentucky. 
Um, now, I've lived in Chicago now and think it was never cold in Kentucky. But uh, I asked her if she would just kind of start up the car on the week. That was my kind of in. And uh, she did that, and I had this little box. And as she opened up the box, her... Now, now let me step back. I almost got ahead of the punchline. Her favorite animal is a giraffe, and uh, mine is an elephant. And so what I did was I went down to the Hallmark store, one of the few times in my life I've been in the Hallmark store, and uh, I purchased one of these little miniatures of a giraffe, a baby giraffe, and a little baby elephant as well. And so I packaged them such that as she opened up the box, she would open first up this baby giraffe um, and, uh, and be, oh, that was so nice of him. That was nice of him to remember and get me a great gift like that. And there was another one, and I was hoping that she was going to assume this was the mama giraffe to go along with the baby, you know, a nice little set to put up on your mantle or wherever. But it wasn't. It was a baby elephant in there. Um, so, and she knew that this was my favorite animal, so this was like my hint, my subtle way of saying, look, we belong together. We connect. This is the budding of our baby love together. Um, put these together on your, your dresser and uh, right next to each other as a symbol uh, for us. So she got it. Um, she got the symbol, and, uh, and, you know, the Lord worked it out, and this Wednesday we'll celebrate 15 years uh, in our marriage. So, um, yeah. But that's the risk of throwing the I love you out there, throwing the I have feelings, I have a connection, I want to be a part of your life, throwing it out there is a risk. God, in his life, uh, or in his uh, creation of us, he throws out the same risk. He throws creation into the world. And he says, you know, I love you so much. I want to have relationship with you. But, you know, it's a huge risk for God. In fact, we find in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis that the risk didn't pan out very well for God right away. Humans right away, Adam and Eve, chose to go a different way. They chose something that was better than the union and the connection and the relationship, the love that God had to offer. Their eyes were turned in a different direction, and for at least a fleeting moment, if not longer, they said, you know, that sounds a bit better, and there was a rejection. Love is a risk in any way, shape, or form at any time. In our current generation, we live in kind of a postmodern generation. If you don't know what postmodern generation means, well, it's hard to identify because one of the defining characteristics of us in a postmodern generation is that we get to claim and put a title on things any way we'd like to put a title on them. And so for us in this postmodern generation, we've had a hard time connecting with God's love. We've had a hard time connecting back with what does it mean to love God? What does it mean for God to love us. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning specifically over the next few minutes. So if you take your, your piece of paper and let's just look at this passage as we start off. I'll, I'll read it and you'll, you read along and, and we'll process. Here's what it says at the beginning. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Let's pause right there. Remember two weeks ago we started to talk about the historic Jesus and we talked about this time frame that Jesus was in. We talked about the 400 years before the book of Matthew. From Malachi to Matthew, there's this 400-year period of when Jesus pops on the scene. 
And we talked about this, this whole political unrest that was going on. And the Roman Empire and the Greek culture had moved in and kind of dominated this Middle East area. And in fact, the Jewish religion was, was kind of in jeopardy at this time. The Pharisees ro- rose up and said, you know, we, we, you know we're going to stand for this. We're going to really institute the Jewish law and the Jewish tradition. And so they actually did that and then went overboard and kept adding rules and adding rules and adding rules, and it got a very, very legalistic. On the other side, the Sadducees said, we, you know, we need to have this Jewish religion. This is really, really important. But we need to start reinterpreting what it means to be a, you know, a Jewish believer or, or an Israelite or a follower of God. We need to reinterpret it based on what we're learning here with this new culture that's coming in. And so you have these kind of opposing religious forces all within the whole Jewish tradition, not to mention kind of the Greek culture that moved in and then the new Roman government that had taken over. All of these things are at play when Jesus pops on the scene. And so when Jesus comes in here, you notice here's one more time that a teacher of the law, they are debating with Jesus. Because Jesus, as we talked about last week, Jesus comes with a very different message. It's, it's a little bit in the face of the culture. It's a little bit in the face of the rules and regulations that have been put on by the Pharisees. And so many times he's debating things. And here's another one. In verse 28, it tells us that they are debating. They're talking. These things are going on. And one of the leaders uh, had come over, and it, we don't get whether this guy was trying to trap Jesus into something or whether he genuinely wanted to know, but he comes to Jesus and he just says, hey, what's the most important of all these? This is similar to what we do sometimes with lists in our life. We say, what's the most important thing on our list? What should I go after first? And that is what this guy is asking. And Jesus answers, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, if you were a Jewish person at the time and you heard this, you wouldn't, it wouldn't matter whether you were following like the Pharisees or you were following the Sadducees, you would have expected this type of answer from Jesus. This wouldn't have been any surprise from you for Jesus to say this commandment because if we remember back in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, we get the same verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It would make perfect sense for a Jewish person to hear this as the basis for their faith. But Jesus takes it a little bit further. Let's take a look at these. Notice the one phrase that Jesus adds into this there. Did you notice what it was? Love the Lord with all your mind as well. And so this is added in to actually extend the verse uh, just a tad. Why does Jesus do that? Well, let's talk about that in just a minute, but I thought let's go and actually talk about these four phrases as we, lo- as we work through. In Jewish culture, this term heart would have meant simply the center of one's being. And so they would have understood heart similar in the way that we often understand heart. When we say something, I love them with all of my heart, we mean I love I love them with everything. We don't mean I love them with this, this organ inside that is pumping blood through it. That would actually be pretty gross. But we say, with the center of who I am, I love you. And it's the same thing in the Jewish culture. The heart would have been the center of the being. So they would have understood that, the centerness. But also in Greek culture, the heart was used this same way. And if you remember back, this book of Mark that this is found in, this is the one of the four Gospels that is written towards Gentiles. It's actually written towards non-Jews. 
And so this term of heart would have been understood by even a non-Jewish world, that this is the center of our being, that when I say I love somebody with all my heart, that means for all, all of I am, everything I'm about, everything that God has designed me to be, I love God or I love here. And so that would have been understandable. But then these, these other things, if you can look at this, this heart kind of as the umbrella, these other things fall into them and give even more uh, specificness to this. I love with all my soul. You know, this soul here is really, uh, the, in the Greek, the word actually can be, can be uh, drawn to the word psyche. It really is about who we are, what our makeup is, what's your personality like. And so in, in looking at that, we would say that whatever your personality is, however you're uniquely designed and what makes you, you, that's, that's to be given over to God, that, that we're to love God with that. Any of you ever taken one of those personality tests, Myers-Briggs or those type of things? You know, you can even take, you take the short 20, 20 question version, or you can really torture yourself with the long, you know, drawn out version. And then at the end, you get these uh, letters that are only understandable through uh, some type of graph that you read and process through. It's basically telling you about your personality type, your temperament, how you're made up. And, you know, and most of the time in these tests, you can take it now and you can take it 20 years from now, and for the most part, they tell us that they come out about the same during those periods. Well, guess what? That, that thing that is measured, that is the soul as it's understood in Greek culture. That's the psyche. That is, that is a way that we're supposed to love God. So if you're, uh, uh, as some of these tests tell us, if you're more of a, a, you know, a quiet or, ex or introverted person and you draw more energy from yourself and your time alone, guess what? You get to honor and love God with that. If you're somebody who is more drawn to this being extroverted where you draw your energy from other people and you like that type of environment, um, then guess what? You love God with that. And so you can see as this heart is the wholeness of our being, the psyche would bring this specific part of it. And then it goes on and, and uh, it talks about loving the God with all your heart and soul. And then it says mind. Now this is what Jesus adds in here. And one of the defining characteristics of the Greek culture that was coming in and invading this area uh, where Jesus was now uh, 30 years old and, and in his public ministry was thought, reason, logic. In fact, it was to the point where, I mean, that was the dominant characteristic of the day. In fact, the, the Sadducees who we talked about, I mean, they were wrapped up in this world of kind of pushing aside Jewish law because they had, to some degree, they had reasoned it away. We find this very uh, similar in our day and age. There's a group called the, G the Jesus Seminar, and they meet uh, periodically, uh, once a year for sure, but they meet periodically, and their whole purpose is to debate and argue scripture. Now, the thing about the, the Jesus seminars, at their core, they don't believe there's any absolute truth. And so as you interpret scripture and read scripture, and if you believe there's no absolute truth, there's a lot of passages in our Bible that we can kind of push aside, throw out the door, say there's no reason for this. And so in a real way, the Jesus seminar has, has used logic and reason to push aside some of these passages. That's even what was going on with the Sadducees. And Jesus is saying, look, you need to love God with all your mind, all your logic, and all your reason. If you're somebody that, I mean, you love to really dig and learn and learn and learn, guess what? We use that 
to love God with. We use that to God's glory. But you, know, you don't have to be somebody that's stuck in a book all the time to be somebody that is learning and constantly learning. In fact, we're called to keep learning more and more about God. We've said it before, but the passage about the Bereans in the book of Acts, where the Bereans were called of more noble character than anyone else because they studied the scripture to see if it was true. And so here that we are loving God by learning about God, learning more and more about who he is and what he has to offer our life. You know, just uh, recently in this plunge series, it's kind of propelled me to be back into the Old Testament characters of the Old Testament. And I was thinking, well, I'm going to study Joshua, then Judges, then Daniel, because that's the first three weeks of the plunge, and I'll process through those people. So, you know, Joshua's a little bit long, Joshua's a little bit long in reading, Daniel's a little short. But what I found was I couldn't just read about this one character and have it down. I had these kind of cross-reference things that kind of thrown right in your face as you're reading the Scripture. And, and so I turned and I looked here and I looked here to find some of those things. You know, those are some things that you know, I haven't dug in in a long time in Scripture, and some things I didn't even know they were in there. And as I read that, I mean, it's just more of revealing of who God is and what He wants to do in my life and how I can love Him even more and turn more over in my own life to Him. we got the little strobe light going this morning. I'm going to start doing movements. Oh. Yeah. So loving God with all your mind is important too. Guys, do you know that in Christianity, I mean, we've literally read things at times where it talks about not using your mind in this way, not studying and learning and learning more about this because that's not really what God wants. The truth of the matter, that's just false. God wants us to use our mind. He wants us to study and learn more and more about him. And finally, uh, this thing of strength that we find here uh, in the scripture. Uh, dunamis is the word that's actually used there, and this word is the present-day word that we translate into dynamite. Um, now, this does not necessarily mean that, uh, you know, love is, you know, we need something to explode or blow up. Um, in fact, some of you, I mean, you may in your life, you already know about uh, love that has blown up in your face, um, but that's not exactly what he's talking about here in the passage. This word actually, uh, even though we translate into dynamite, the word means action, might. And so in this here, he is talking about when we love God with all our strength, that we love him with action, with doing something, with being a part of something. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, you can say I love you all you want, but if it doesn't translate into doing anything, then love is maybe isn't really even there, certainly not to the degree that we thought it was. Now, I know I, I've shared a similar story in the past, but I, it's always my go-to example in that my parents, you know, they used to always use the trash as a big, big deal. It was like the, the learning thing in our life, the taking out the trash. Um, and so it was, I would say things like, you know, it is important to me to take out the trash. And my dad said, well, it was, if it was important to you, the trash would be out. It wouldn't still be sitting, so don't give me that. Um, and, uh, but I can remember a time when we were talking about the trash in my family, and I said, it, over the course of the conversation, I said something like, I do love you guys to my parents. And my dad said, if you loved us, you would take out the trash. <laughs> and I remember I really like rebuttaling that and pushing against that. And uh, I didn't have big heated conversations with my parents, um, but that was a heated one, and it continued on. Um, it took till I got older to understand what was really being said there. 
What was really being said was, look, if you really love, if you're really drawn into this love, your love would involve action as well. In our family, it would involve doing the chore that's before me, uh, which, is, which is taking out the trash. But, you know, that's a chore category. I think also of the action of, of when I get to go out and, and hang out with my dad or played softball with my dad or, or went to you know, a movie here or there. We always had these dad-son movie nights that would happen so often. With three sons, I realized my dad had to do a lot of work to make sure those dad-son movie nights happened regularly. All of those are action-oriented things that I do. The time I spend with him, the, the things that I'm involved with. I remember going to work with my dad and sitting in his office, and I'm sure if I went day after day, I would be pretty bored, but at least that one day, getting to see what he did and how he did it was incredibly intriguing. All those are action-type things, and they fit into this word, strength, that when we connect with our God in this way, and, we, and action is part of it, when I say, man, I'm not really into it today, but I will do it because this is what my God is about, or other days where I can just be with God and I can, I can learn about him and I have this incredible joy about what we're doing and, and how it's going. That all works into this word strength and this word loving God. Let me step back to the verse 29 here. When it says on our paper, Hero is you, the Lord your God, your Lord is, the Lord is one. This is one thing I don't want to overlook as we, as we get closer to the end here. That word one really in Scripture means unique. It means unique. It means none other like him. None at all. When I was looking at my first car, I was 16 years old, and, and like, uh, like, you know, like some young people, we go out and we throw money out and we buy a car that we can't afford in a year. We have to get rid of it. And that was my story. Um, and so I went out and I bought what I thought was the coolest car in the world. It was a really bright blue Geo Metro. You remember these Geo Metros? So, and um, so I bought this little Geo Metro, and you know, and I was, you know, put putting around in this thing, and I uh, thought I was pretty cool stuff. And um, I got one of the uh, what do you call the front thing? Uh, we call it a bra on the front of the car, but I'm sure that's not what the technical name is for it. Is that what it is, really? Really? Okay. Well, good. Good. I don't feel as dirty, but. Uh, so I had this on the front of the car, and I mean, I thought I was the coolest stuff in the world riding around in this, this, uh, this little car uh, that I was going in. The reason I liked it so much is because I didn't see any else, others like them. I went car lot to car lot, and I thought, there is no other blue Easter egg like that on wheels anywhere, and that's why, that's why I got it. In this passage, it's a very similar way. The Bible is telling us God is unique. He is one. There often we use this passage to talk about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together. But really, in the Hebrew text here, it means unique, one. There is none other like him. And so many people, we go on the search and on the journey in our life, looking and looking and looking for something to serve and be invested in. And so much of this, it just zaps, it kills our strength, it doesn't give us the fullness that we're expecting, whether it is searching for the right car, the right wardrobe, uh, or whatever, the list goes on and on. But here, this God, he is unique, Scripture says, one, none other like him. And therefore, we love him with these ways, heart, soul, mind, strength. Well, this would have been understood. This would have been understood by the people. But then Jesus throws a big loop on it here. Second part of it, look in verse 32. 
Wealth, or, um, excuse me, I'm 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these two. Now, if you were a, a Jewish person growing up, you would have understood loving somebody else and loving your neighbor. Take a look at Leviticus. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That would have been within the law. But Jesus has now put it right up there with loving God. Right just underneath loving God. He has made this such a central thing and paired these two together as the overarching thing about the law, that these two are the most significant, loving others as ourselves. Now, we understand love, I said at the beginning, right? I mean, we understand. In fact, we even understand how to love somebody really well. In fact, you probably understand how to love somebody to the nth degree. In fact, you probably couldn't love anyone more than what your understanding of loving somebody is. The problem is that loving of somebody else is usually me. It's usually us. It's ourselves. And when I uh, go out to lunch here, I usually go out and say, hey, where's the place I like to go if I'm going by myself? I usually don't say, man, I really can't stand that place, but Dave likes it, so I will go there by myself. No, if I'm with Dave, I might do that. But by myself, I don't do that. I take care of myself. When I get up in the morning, uh, you know, I brush my teeth. I wash myself off. Uh, I don't do that for other people. Uh, I do it for myself. Um, sometimes I even comb my hair and, uh, and take care of myself. We understand what this love is like to care for somebody. I have knee-jerk reactions on how to protect myself. Knee-jerk. just happens in a blink. I don't have the same knee-jerk for other people, maybe for my kids. When Jesus throws this out, he says, you love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Just like you love yourself. The way you think about yourself, the way you just in a heartbeat moment take care of yourself and think about what you would want or what would please you, that is the way we're to love and care for other people. And notice how, as he's saying this here, he is just saying, you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus talks about the family plenty of times in his Gospels. He doesn't use the word family here. Meaning he's not just saying, hey, love your spouse this way. Love your kids this way. When grandma comes over, even love her that way. You know, when your in-laws in town, love, her, love them that way. I mean, he is saying across the board, people in general, your neighbor, when you come into contact with them, love them as you love yourself. Now, we're smart enough people to really think through how we love ourselves. I've given you some examples. You can, go, you can go further on your own. But let's look at this last guy. This teacher says, well, teacher, you, you, the man replied, you're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus had... Excuse me. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him more questions. Now, in reading this, I've kind of had a question mark there. If he answered so wisely and so correctly, if he came to Jesus searching in the first place, why does Jesus say you're, you're, you're close, but you're not there? Why doesn't Jesus say, you know, like he says in, in other passages when he had other other people that they have, they have this connection or this understanding. I think one thing is missing here. The wise person here, the religious leader here, is basically telling them, 
Jesus, I understand these things. I know that these are important things. I know that this is number one and this is number two. I agree with you. But I think Jesus, in a very subtle way, is saying, you need to surrender your life over to it. Give yourself over to this. That we can have all the knowledge about this, but if we haven't surrendered ourselves to it, if we haven't surrendered ourselves to saying, you know, I'm going to let the Lord be the thing my heart, the wholeness of my being loves the most. If I'm not going to commit my life to really looking and wanting to care and love somebody else and take care of their needs as well, then Jesus is saying in a real way, you know, Tom, religious leader, you haven't quite got it. You're close, but you're not quite there. Thereness is like Jesus says in other points in the, in the Bible, that if we come and we believe just like a child believes, that we got it. We're connected with the kingdom. And so this morning, as we wrap up and we finish off, I want to draw your attention to these three questions And I want you to be able to process these three questions on your own, in your own devotion, or put it somewhere prominent that you can work through. The first one is this. How does loving God come out in who you are? How does it come out? Do an inventory of yourself. What do you know about God? Is there times when you're like, man, I just don't know the Bible. I just don't know about God. I don't understand those things. You know, anything we teach and we talk about up here, we've always tried to do it in a way that you can do it on your own, in your own study time. And finally, what action has loving God propelled you into? What has it thrown you into doing and into being and and being a part of? You know, this morning, this past week, we were thinking about this and talking about the sermon, and we were thinking about, you know, this booth back here, um, you might walk past this booth and you don't even notice what's happening back here, but I mean, we have, uh, you know, we have somebody back there recording the messages and the service, somebody back there is doing all the PowerPoint you know, somebody back there taking care of all the sound and all that type of stuff. You know, it's a group of three or four people every single week. You know, it's moved in their heart to be part of some action, and they've decided that's an area they, they would like to do and be a part of. We have others that, that rotate in and out. You know, you might this morning say, Matt, I'd love to do something like that, or I'd love to serve in another area of ministry. And there's always areas like that. You know, even this morning, I put a, a sheet back there for the tech ministry. And if you're thinking, man, I didn't even know that was going on behind me, but that's my heart, you know, sign up. We'll, we'll throw you right in if your heart is being propelled into action that way. You can answer that question and be processing on your own how the Lord will put you into action. It may be here in our church, but it may be in your neighborhood, maybe right down the road with some family that needs you. Who knows? But you can spend time processing that. This morning, if there's anything in one of these areas that right away you know, man, the Lord is really dealing with me on and I needed to hear this this morning, that card that that we said was right in front of you on the back of the chair, just take that. Would you communicate with us? Can you just say, man, this is an answer to prayer. I'm struggling with this. Would you pray with me about it? Or whatever it may be. If this morning you're ready to say, you know, I'm not a Christian and I'm, I'm ready to surrender and become a Christian and love God in this way, you can write that as well. Just write, you know, New Christian on your card and we'll connect with you right away and, and get, you, get you started on this journey. Well, let's pray and, and, then, uh, and then we'll finish off our service and, and we'll go eat tacos. Father, thank you for this morning, for your word, and as we're looking for Jesus and searching more for Jesus, Lord, we thank you that the word love comes into the picture. We thank you that no one shows a greater example of love than you and sending your Son, your precious, your one and only, to the cross to die for us. 
Lord, we thank you that that sacrifice is such a demonstration of your love for us, and we receive it this morning of you. Lord, help us now in how we love you back. Lord, on how we look to to you as our God, our one unique God, and we say, I love you in this way, God. And so, Lord, as we process the four ways, Lord, this morning, would you help us to be surrendered over our whole heart, the center of who we are, with who you've designed in our personality, Lord, with our logic and our thinking, Lord, and with our action, that we would love you. And then, Lord, then in that same way, could we look around and we'd love those that are near us, that need our love, not just our immediate family, but all those we come in contact with, that we would shine your light by our love. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.